0: eliminate eliminate the appeal of your excuses so you can get consistent, stay consistent, create the results you want, and enjoy the journey. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Oh my gosh, so much that I want to talk to you about. Oh, I don't even know where to dive in. in. Uh, Let's start with what I have Received the most questions about, shall we? I put up a post in the Primal Potential Facebook group. If you're not in there, join us there. It's an incredible community. I post a lot of updates, random shares, just daily life kind of stuff in there. Anyway, I posted the other day, a few days ago now, that I am going to do a short detox simple, straightforward, and nutritional detox, right? There's all sorts of different kinds of detoxes. You can do a social media detox. You can do a cleaning detox. For me, I'm doing a short, simple nutrition detox, and I'm doing it for a few reasons. One reason is increasing energy. Another reason is weight loss, palate cleansing, um, general health. So it's kind of he'll laugh at the way my brain works maybe you won't maybe you're like me and your brain works this way too and maybe this is just cuz i'm tired D- do any of you guys have a coffee machine that prompts you to do a cleaning cycle uh old school kind of like drip coffee makers probably are less likely to do this but the fancy schmancy coffee maker that i have at the most inopportune times Will beep at me and be like, it needs a cleaning cycle. Now, of course, you can dismiss it, but unlike updates on my computer and phone, which I always say, Remind me tomorrow, remind me tomorrow, remind me tomorrow, I'm a lot less likely to dismiss the cleaning reminders on my coffee maker because in my mind, when the machine is telling me it needs to be cleaned, I'm like, I don't want like old coffee remnants. In my, in my coffee, in these machines, they, you know, if you think about, like, the innards of the coffee maker, like, they're prone to getting moldy. It's dark. It's wet. You know, that just grosses me out. And so I know that it needs to be cleaned in order to operate well and to give me what I'm wanting it to, which is, like, good quality. It's not good coffee. that's not moldy and, you know. Anyway, the other thing that reminds me of this in my life reminds me of my own need to do a detox every once in a while it's been a long time because I've been like pregnant and blah 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 and I'm still breastfeeding but we'll get to that in a minute the other thing that reminds me of this constantly is my washing machine anybody else like your washing machine is there to get your clothes clean but so many times I've gone far too long without like washing the washing machine. And I don't mean just running a cleaning cycle. I mean really getting in there and and the door and the little rim area and all of that. Because otherwise, again, it's wet, it's dark, it's going to get nasty, and then it's not going to get anything clean. And we understand this in so many areas of our lives, like cleaning my breast pump, Same thing. I am maniacal about cleaning that thing because the last thing I want is something gross getting in the milk that I'm pumping for my twins. And I think I'm extra maniacal about that. Is that even the right word? I don't know. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? I'm like extra particular because my kids are premature and I don't want to, you know, introduce anything to them that could be problematic But with our bodies, this machine, we only have one. You know, getting replacement parts for your body is a little bit more complicated. And so often, not only do we not take care of it day to day, but we don't do that routine maintenance. Kind of like getting the oil changed in your car. If you don't do it regularly, you're really shortening the lifespan of your car. So having been reminded by my breast pump and my coffee maker and my washing machine, I'm like, I need to do a detox. And I think that in the last couple of years, I would have thought something along the lines of, well, I can't do it because I'm pregnant or I'm breastfeeding or I'm this or I'm that. And I use that initial thought as an opportunity to be a better thinker. Just because I'm breastfeeding does not mean that I can't do a detox. So what could a detox look like? While I'm breastfeeding. And the breastfeeding factor comes into play because, you know, I'm not gonna dramatically cut calories. I still need to keep my milk production up. I don't wanna do a detox that's gonna like have me feeling like crap for the first couple days. I wanna feel really good because I've got a lot going on, you know, all of those factors. And it was easy for me to come up with a very simple, easy detox that I'm gonna do for three days. I'm gonna start next week. Typically, if I had this idea, I'm a don't wait. If it's worth doing next Monday, it's worth doing now. But the reason that I'm waiting a little bit is because I wanted to invite you guys to do it. So I've got a ton of, of questions uh, since I posted on Facebook that I was doing it. And I just wanted to talk about it for a little bit. A couple of things that I like to point out. There are a million ways that you can do a detox, and you don't have to follow anybody else's rules. I like to make up my own for what works for me. I also like to break other people's rules, you know? I mean, that's just, that's a thing for me. Some people, I I, at times have done water fasts, and I love it, and I think it's amazing, and I think it's really healthy, but it's also not something I'm going to do right now because I'm breastfeeding, and I've got a ton of stress in my life, and I just don't need to add another thing that's challenging. And water fasts can be pretty challenging. I've done a seven-day water fast, but I've also done shorter ones. So it's okay to make up your own rules. Even as I share what I'm going to be doing that's simple and straightforward for three days, you don't need to do it the way that I'm doing it. I'm going to share it with you because sometimes it's like, I don't even know what I would do if I were to make up my own. Sometimes that can be easier. But a lot of times people don't do these things because they're like that piece of it doesn't work for me. So there's a detox I've done before that I'm borrowing parts of and discarding other parts. And the the one that I've done before is kind of um, more plant-based. So you're essentially doing fruits, veggies, nuts, seeds for a few days and you're not doing meat, you're not doing dairy and whatever. Well, I wouldn't have enough energy or calories for breastfeeding doing that. And I also um, have pretty severe anemia right now because I had, if you listen to the twins birth story, you know, I had a severe hemorrhaging event uh, before they were born. And then of course, a lot of blood loss at the C-section maybe a little bit more than normal or a lot more than normal. And so I'm not willing to go without meat uh, for any period of time right now. That just wouldn't be good for me. But there are these detox like supplements that really help. And I and I want to use those, but they outline this more vegetarian, uh, vegan even, if well, maybe, I don't know, uh, approach that, that doesn't work for me right now. But that doesn't mean that I can't take the pieces that do work and not take the pieces that don't work for me right now. And that's something that I think we need to be more willing to do in all of life. Like, let's not throw out something that has good ideas because pieces of it don't work. We can make our own rules. We should make our own rules. We should care more about what works for us and what doesn't work for us right now then the way somebody else is doing it, you're unique, I'm unique. So it's just three days, really simple, straightforward. Could You could do longer. If you think three days, that's not a challenge. Great, then you do 12. You do whatever you want. Um, what I am doing for just three days is very, very simple fruits, vegetables, meat, and select supplements for detox. It's this little three-day reboot kit Um, and I thought about not doing it. I thought about doing it without the supplements and I quickly discarded that idea. And the way that I think about it in my mind is like the difference between running the dishwasher with detergent or without detergent. If you do it without detergent, the dishes are cleaner than they were when you got hot water and steam and all of that. But if you do it with detergent, they're really clean. Same thing like my coffee maker, right? It, it wants me to put it through this cleaning process, and I could do it with just water, but there's also these little cleaning tablets, and I can wash my breast pump with just hot water, or I can wash it with soap and hot water. So I'm doing the Reboot supplements. There's literally, Reboot is just three days of supplements, which I love because you don't have to buy like A big bottle of things that lasts for 30 days. It's literally just three days of supplements. Um, And then along with that, I'm doing fruits, vegetables, meat for three days, nothing else. If you're wondering, well, what about this? What about that? Is it a fruit? Then it's okay. Is it not a fruit? Not a vegetable? Not meat? Not okay. For just three days, right? Anything for three days. Um, So that is what I'm doing you can join me you don't have to join me you can do your own detox but I do think it's important to cleanse your system whatever that looks like for you do your own thing do something totally different do something a little bit different do exactly what I'm doing I don't care but you've got to do something regularly and maybe that something regularly for you is just cleaning up your act and eating better overall do that start there But that's what I'm doing and you're welcome to join me and I'll be sharing about it inside the Primal Potential Facebook group so you can join me over there as well. Oh, I didn't even tell you what I'm going to give away this week. You know what? I'm going to go to this question. Well, I'm giving away Mood Plus this week. It's one of my can't live without it products. I'll announce the winner at the end of the show. You could win. Just leave a review of this podcast on whatever app you listen. It's that simple. Um, Okay. One of the questions was, how do I enjoy and be grateful for the present moments in my life after achieving a huge milestone rather than immediately feeling like you have to find ways to reach the next echelon? So how do I enjoy and be grateful for the present moments after I've achieved a huge milestone rather than immediately feeling like, I have to reach the next echelon. This question is actually a really fantastic opportunity to to look at what it means to become a better thinker. Because in this question, which is a good question, I like to think of it as the 101. If you think of when you go to college, there's English 101 and there's English 201 and English 301 and English 401. This question, great question, is like, thinking 101. This is really important. I want to be grateful. I want to be present. I'm recognizing this tendency I have to not be grateful, to not be present, and instead feel like I've got to get to the next level. 201, 301, 401 look different. Okay, let's break down what that means. Do I feel like one of these things is good and one of these things is bad. Like, do, have I assigned these general labels? And follow me, I'm going somewhere with this, okay? I know that this seems kind of like woo-woo and out there, but do me a favor and stay with me because this is going to go someplace good. Implied in this question is the notion that like being present and grateful is good and rushing immediately to want to get to the next level is bad. Does it have to be that way? And what I mean is, is it possible that it's not going to pursuit right after achievement that is bad, but the way that I go from achievement to striving that is the problem? Or another way to think about this is, can it be both? Does it have to be either I'm present and grateful after achieving something or I'm striving for the next echelon? Could it be that I am both grateful and present for this big milestone that I've achieved and I'm also ready and eager to pursue the next level? This is when when I talk about something like how binary is the opposite of creativity? You know, it's either this or it's this. It's black or it's white. I'm either grateful and enjoying it or I'm pushing myself to the next thing. It's not either or. There's so many other options in between. I don't think, my my first husband used to say to me all the time, sort of mostly as a criticism, uh, that I always moved the goalpost. Like I'd set this goal. And then when I achieved this goal, I'd be like, well, but now I want to do this. And now I want to do this. And now I want to do this. And, and what he was expressing when he would say that to me is it's never good enough. Like you're never satisfied with this thing that you've achieved. You're always wanting the next thing. Having that desire to go to the next level and the next level and the next level, that inherently isn't the problem. The way I was doing it was the problem. So if I'm trying to be a better thinker, then it looks like what is a way to pursue my next goal or the next level that is healthy, that is balanced, that still appreciates and celebrates where I've been and what I've done, and maybe doesn't have a negative intensity or doesn't reflect a lack of appreciation or a lack of presence or a lack of gratitude, I think that it's not the pursuit that's the problem, but the way we pursue that is problematic. And I think that it never has to be either this or that. Either I appreciate it or I rush to the next thing. It can be both, or it could be neither, but it can be both. And I would challenge you to really not just see the problem and go, oh, well, I'm not present. I'm not grateful. Instead, I'm rushing to this next thing. How do I go from one to the other? I challenge you to say, Can I think about this more holistically? Can I think about this in a more mature way, in a more well-rounded way, in a more complete way? That's what I think. This next one is, is loaded. There's a lot to it. And it's a question that's come up a lot regarding, uh, so obviously we've got twins in the NICU. They're still there. Uh, we're on like week nine almost in the NICU. Um, and I had a, I had a couple like really difficult things happen in this pregnancy. Uh, and of course, uh, two years ago, our daughter died very unexpectedly as an infant. Okay. So the question has been, are you on any antidepressants or any anti-anxiety medications, prescription medications for anxiety or depression? Have you struggled with postpartum depression? I'm going to speak specific, mostly about this most recent pregnancy with twins because, you know, my postpartum experience with Dagny had so many other things going on that I wouldn't even know how to label it. And I also want to say that I'm sharing just what my experience has been, and that doesn't mean that it's how anybody else's experience should be or that I think there's any right or wrong. I just, because this has come up, I want to be transparent about my journey and the way that I think through these things. Um, And the answer directly to the question is I am not on any anti-anxiety or antidepressant medications. uh, And I haven't been, I did not use them after Dagny died. I did think about it. Um, I didn't use them after Roman was born. And I don't think I thought about it. Like that wasn't something that I was considering at that time. And I am not, Taking anything after the twins have been born, and I did think about it. Um, Specifically, in the first, I would say, week to two weeks after the twins were born, that first week was really um, uncertain. And and really, the first month, uh, I didn't feel like we were out of the woods, but that first week to two weeks were terrifyingly scary and I remember even before I was discharged from the hospital like in the first four days thinking I wonder if I'm going to be able to get through this without being like heavily medicated (laughs) heavily medicated and my thought process is this and and it's and I will say too like this is Open dialogue that I have with my OB, uh, with the social workers in the NICU. Like, they come and check on moms, especially moms who had like traumatic situations or who have sick babies or have long stays in the NICU. They probably come and talk to me like once a week. And it's a conversation that I have fairly openly with Chris. He doesn't like ask, but I sometimes bring it up and like, hey, do you think I'm okay? Do you think I'm doing all right? One of the things that I always say is, do I feel that my responses are appropriate to the situation that I'm in. So for example, in those first couple weeks, I was crying constantly and I was terrified constantly. But I also felt like it was very appropriate for the situation I was in. So now here we are there, you know, just about nine weeks old. If I was still in constant panic and fear and terror and crying all the time, because of the circumstances and how they've changed, it wouldn't feel situationally appropriate. Like that would be a really big red flag. The other thing, so that's sort of something that I keep in mind all the time. Even when I'm having a really hard time, that doesn't necessarily make me feel like, oh my God, I need outside help. I need pharmaceutical help sometimes it just feels very appropriate. That was so true for me after Dagny died. I was a disaster, but I didn't feel like my responses were inappropriate to the situation. And I'll say again, you could think about this very differently and could have different uh, paradigms to kind of filter and filter through or gauge, am I okay? Am I not okay? And that's totally okay. I'm just sharing what I think as I make these kinds of decisions. The other starting point for me always, and this was a huge thing when I was terrified and constantly crying after the twins were born. I know that the biggest influence on hormones, mood, neurotransmitters, brain chemistry is nutrition. So that's always going to be my starting point. The first thing I'm going to do is write that ship. So no sugar, no processed foods, not overeating, but making sure I'm eating enough. And then... I will assess. So I'm personally not going to go personally. I don't I don't want to open up my DMs to people being like arguing their circumstances against my perspective for my circumstances. This is just how I make decisions for me. I'm not going to get on a pharmaceutical of, I mean, this would be true if I had high cholesterol. This would be true if I had high blood pressure. And it's absolutely true when I think about anxiety and and depressants. I'm not going to pursue those things without really cleaning up nutrition because that has such a huge impact. Let me see where I am when what I'm putting in my body is optimized. If I'm overeating, if I'm eating processed foods, if I'm eating sugar, even a little bit. I know that that is going to influence my brain chemistry. It's going to influence my hormones. Sugar is the ultimate bad mood food. And here's the thing that we know about anxiety and depression, even though it is not talked about nearly enough, they are primarily related to a state of inflammation in the brain. That can come from trauma. It can come from stress. It can come from fatigue. It can come from all sorts of different things. And... Food, what we eat, how much and when, has a massive influence on inflammation. So I'm going to get that right. And 99% of the time, I'm in a much better spot. 100% of the time, I'm in a much better spot when nutrition is on point. Is it easy? No. But neither is taking prescription meds. Well, maybe for some people that is easier. For me, that's how I think about it. Okay. Then I want to look at things like, how am I thinking about this? Is there, are there some mindset shifts that I feel like I have the capacity to make? And I say it like that, that I feel like I have the capacity to make because I know after Dagny died, there were some mindset shifts that I didn't have the capacity to make. I needed more space and more distance and so some of those things were off the table in terms of improvements you know like nutrition was on the table but some of the perspective stuff I didn't have the capacity to make those changes at that time with the twins I absolutely did have the capacity to make some changes in how I was seeing things for example when I would have anxious moments of like what if this and what if that and catastrophizing a little bit I had the capacity to come back to the present moment, even though I had to do it a million times a day, almost constantly. Right now, we're not in that situation. So I'm going to deal with what is right now. And I'm not going to ask my brain to deal with something that I'm imagining that isn't here right now. I had the capacity to make that shift. And so that was a big part of my practice too. Let me really focus on that and see how that impacts the anxiety that I'm having. I had a lot more anxiety. I've had a lot more anxiety to work with and try these strategies on since the twins were born. After Dagny died, it was anxiety and it was also depression. And then the third thing that I want to incorporate before I say, yeah, let's have a conversation about pharmaceuticals, for me is natural ingredients in the form of supplementation. I have said this on the podcast before that two products in particular, Mood and Kids Mood, pretty damn close to saved my life when Dagny died. Um, Their impact was huge. And so I knew after the twins were born all right, let's get on that right away. Let's not wait until the anxiety is out of control. But even in moments when, I mean, let's be real, the anxiety was out of control pretty immediately. (laughs) I mean, uh, I would say within hours of when the twins were born, I felt like the anxiety was at a a fever pitch. So I want to see when I'm giving my body natural ingredients that help moderate my stress response that support things like serotonin and dopamine, all of those important neurotransmitters, then where are we at? So where are we at when I've optimized my nutrition? Where are we at with any mindset perspective kinds of things that I have the capacity to make? And where are we at with consistent, really high quality supplementation? And then go from there. The thing that I know about most of the prescription meds that are prescribed for anxiety and depression is that they're treating the symptom and not the root, and so they're a Band-Aid in most cases. I'm not going to say all cases because I don't know all cases, right? But that is always a red flag for me. I, I'm a root person. Let's get to the root of this. And they don't address the fact that it's related to inflammation in the brain. And that really, really bothers me. It bugs the hell out of me that people aren't talking about the fact that this is, this is an inflammation thing and that this is a microbiome thing because... Our microbiome produce these feel-good neurotransmitters, and when we have microbial imbalances, they're just not being produced. But at the same time, those don't make pharmaceutical companies money, and those, (laughs) therefore, don't get talked about as much. So that's kind of the process I take myself through. That doesn't mean that's the process you should take yourself through um, or that I think the process you've used is wrong because I don't know your process. But I wanted to kind of dive into that because I get that question a lot. One more thing I want to talk about before uh, we jump off today. Somebody asked if I would touch on, and then we're going to give something away, mood plus actually, Um, if I would touch on imposter syndrome. What do I think imposter syndrome is and how do you deal with it? So this isn't something that I've studied or really spent any time like Doing a whole lot of research on what is imposter syndrome, but I will say that as I interpret it, it basically is feeling like I don't have the right to do what I'm doing because uh, I'm not there yet. So if you are, um, if you're starting a business uh, and teaching people photography, like I'm not a good enough photographer to. Get take people's money and teach them something, Uh, or if you are a tutor and you are trying to build your business tutoring students, like, am I even good enough to teach kids? Like, are people gonna you know should they go work with somebody else? There's so many people that are better than me. Like, I'm gonna be found out. I'm gonna be found out that I don't have enough experience or I don't have enough success or I don't have enough skills. And we see this a ton as more and more people transition into online businesses of different types. Like, you know, I don't have as much experience as the next person, so I'm not really good enough to be doing this. And my thoughts on that, because I've certainly had thoughts that represent that kind of thing go through my mind, my at the root of imposter syndrome is like I'm presenting myself as as better than I am or people have the expectation that I am better than I am and I'm going to be found out. I'm going to be found out to be not good enough. And it, to me, the way that it's easy to overcome this is just being very, very honest and upfront about where you're at and who you are and who you're not. I'll use a perfect example. I talk a ton about body weight, right? I'd lost a ton of, a ton of weight. I'd lost over 100 pounds. Is it possible for me to convince myself that because I now have weight to lose, that I don't have any right talking about weight loss? For sure, I could convince myself of that. But the way that I overcome that is just I'm not ever trying to suggest that I don't have weight to lose now. I am very open about the fact that I gained weight in my pregnancy with Dagny that I didn't lose before getting pregnant less than six months later with Roman. Um, And, you know, obviously I'm a couple months postpartum with twins now. So I still have that weight plus the weight from this pregnancy and Romans as well. As long as I'm honest about that, it's kind of like, okay, this is a perfect example. People who are relationship coaches or relationship experts, and they often feel like, I mean, if people knew that, like, I don't have a perfect relationship, I don't, what, how am I really qualified to help other people? I mean, I can't even get my own relationship sorted out or whatnot. There's other people who are better at this, whose relationships are better at this. Are you being honest about where you're at? You know, if you're positioning yourself as having a relationship that's better than the one you actually have, well, that could be a problem. But if you're honest about, hey, I actually have this communication challenge still, and these are the things that I do when it comes up. That's why I'm sure if you've listened for any amount of time to my show, I talk a lot about my struggles. I talk about my struggles in getting things done in business, time management. I talk about my struggles in relationship and communication and uh, friendships and how uh, having lasting friendships has always been a struggle for me. I talk about the fact that I'm in a weight loss phase right now and how I navigate all of that. So I really believe that overcoming imposter syndrome becomes very easy when you're very honest about who you are and where you are. And you're not, a lot of people think that to be successful, they have to put forth this image of having it all together and having it all figured out. And I think that's a really big big red flag because there's nobody that no matter what they teach on, there's nobody that has mastered it because mastery is sort of this It's a very far out point. I mean, pick any person, Tony Robbins, for example. Tony Robbins still has mindset work to do in his own life. New level, new devil, they say, right? I mean, you never, your work is never done. So be careful of the people who don't talk about the fact that they are still overcoming certain things on their own journey, because that's just real. That's just true. That's just the way that it is. All right, I think we got through everything. I feel like I've just been like a mile a minute here since we hit record. But if you want to join me in the detox, let me know. Um, I'm I'm happy to answer any questions that you have about it. If you want to do your own thing, do your own thing. If you want to Uh, keep doing what you're doing, keep doing what you're doing. But DM me or join the Primal Potential Facebook group. I'm going to make myself a note right now to um, put that link in the show description so that it's there Um, in case you want to get the details. Sometimes it's fun to just have these things to do with other people so you're not going it alone and um, you have that power of community behind you. But all right. Oh, the winner. Can't forget that. Mood Plus, my go-to. One of the two that saved me uh nikki j n-i-c-k-i-e-j nikki j left a review on uh, apple podcast i believe shoot me an email nikki j elizabeth at primalpotential.com let me know you were the winner for 1028 include your mailing address send that email within 60 days of the day this episode aired and i will get some mood plus out in the mail to you leave a rating a review of the show well a review not a rating on whatever app you listen and you could win next week. Everybody have an amazing day. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed it, make sure to take a few seconds to leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening. It not only supports the show in a huge way, but it also automatically enters you into our weekly product giveaway. For more tools, tips, and strategies on creating change, check out my first book, Chasing Cupcakes, and follow me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton. Remember, every choice is a chance, and I'll see you next time.